This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. <coughs> How was school? Worst day of my life. What do you think? Well, I want you to go see if Tina wants some of this. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it's Gruntled Workers Day. I'm pretty sure Joe tried to gruntle me the other day. Oh, I had to get HR involved. Today, to talk about gruntling your bank account, we welcome a dynamic flipping houses duo from the Mile High Fi podcast, Carl Jensen, and from the Bigger Pockets Money Show, Mindy Jensen. In our headlines, one industry is bracing for higher interest rates. Should you? Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to David, who's curious about cashing out sick days upon retirement. And then I'll come in with my gruntle trivia. And now, two guys who are happy to help you stack your Benjamins, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Welcome to another Benjamin Stacking Wednesday, peeps. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. Does anybody say peeps anymore? Doug, does anybody? The kids do, Joe. All the, the kids, kids. All the kids. All the hip kids and me. Welcome to Wednesday. You're halfway through your week. Sit back, relax, because we have a financial journey for you to go on. A one-hour cruise that hopefully doesn't turn out to be, uh, what was it? Was that supposedly a, a three-hour cruise? Wasn't that? Three-hour tour. A three-hour three tour, yes. Three-hour tour. By the way, on a three-hour tour, do you ever lose sight of the land? <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you get far enough away? I mean, there's half our audience has no idea what the hell we're talking about, including the man sitting across the table from me because he's way younger. It's Mr. OG. You never watched that show, did Significantly you? Significantly younger. Yes, it was on while I used to get my hair cut at the uh, barber shop that my my dad would take us. I think I mean I think all of us were seeing it in reruns. None of us were watching no. the OG show, the old Gilligan's but, uh, Island. Marianne, by the way, it's Marianne. You're a Marianne, not Just a ginger. To answer the question, I know you were going to ask, or a professor, not ginger. None no. of those. We got a great, great show today. We got the professors. By the way, speaking of professors, we got the professors of flipping houses. Carl and Mindy Jensen with us today. And if you haven't heard Carl and Mindy, Doug, you called them the. The dynamic duo, they totally, they're amazing. Just just a great couple. Love talking to them and uh, spent some time in Longmont. And I was, I was so excited that I actually brought my recorder with me. So we sat down at their house and we chatted about 
their real estate journey. And so uh, we will replay that for you today. But first, we got a great headline for you. And Doug is waiting to say something. No? Are you, <laughs> I just, are you just opening and closing your mouth like a fish? That's how I breathe, Joe. <laughs> I'm a mouth breather. I didn't know, I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> You're like leading into the mic. <sighs> No, I don't know. I mean, you you kept talking about our guests, and I'm wondering if I've maybe am I already a member of the Mile High Fi Club? I mean, I've I've spent money in Denver. There you go. So I think I'm in the Mile you High. Got like Fi a club. sticker for that OG? Some kind of uh, like a is it some secret club? If you spent money in Denver? Wow, he's just not into it today. He's just not going to participate with the class today. He got nothing. It's a great podcast when he doesn't talk. Got Carl Mindy Jensen Jensen coming up. We've got, uh, we're going to talk about sick days, which uh, OG should have taken a sick day today. Uh, But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they can also be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. Oh God. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five That's right. U.S. Cellular, a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. All right, let's get rolling. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. In our headline today, it comes from the Wall Street Journal. Oh, gee, I like these uh, case studies because often when we look at what happens in business, we can make better personal financial decisions. I don't know if you know this, but interest rates are going up. Did you know that? Any idea? I heard. I heard there was a rumor that they might go up. Little thing. Well, I've noticed it's gone up a lot faster on my home equity line than my savings account, but just uh, weird because you think it's the same bank. <laughs> I think it would go up simultaneously, but so weird. What do I know about banking? So strange. What is that? Uh, Phil Town. I remember the first time I met him. He he had a truism, which I remembered the last twenty five years. That is, uh, banks don't make a lot of money on every deal. OG, they just make money on every deal. That's right. I do. You want to start a bank? Stacking Benjamin's bank. Oh oh, SB Federal. That sounds very official, doesn't it? It does. It's got a nice ring to the it. Three of us can be the, uh, the on the board. For now, let's see if we can just get through this headline. Okay. Uh, it's written by <laughs> Laura Foreman at the Wall Street Journal. Cruise lines can't duck their debt. Uh, cruise ships, it seems, are like ducks, elegant and effortless. 
above the water, fighting like crazy to stay afloat beneath. On the surface, the industry's finally steaming ahead after over a year at bay. The world's reopened occupancy limits have relaxed and bookings are at or above pre-pandemic levels. Carnival, Royal Caribbean, and Norwegian cruise lines all eyeing a near-term return to profitability this year, a milestone they're hoping will reignite investor interest with their shares down an average over 45% over the past six months. However, they have this issue, OG, that they have a ton of debt. And now because a lot of that's floating with interest rates, even though they're shoveling in money again, they can't get out from under this this debt load that they have. Well, this would be the same thing for somebody that has uh, credit card debt, you know, in their personal life. It sounds really super attractive to take your cash advance at 0% or refinance your debt at 0% and do that credit card surfing game as you're trying to pay stuff off or God forbid you're using it to like accumulate debt. You know, you have a purchase and you're like, I'll just 0% it for a while. But then you wake up 12 months later and especially the last six months, now your interest rate used to be 11 or 12 and it's probably closer to 19 to 21 now on your on your credit card debt. The same thing is happening in cars and stuff. I talked to a friend of mine who purchased a car and he said that the, uh, I think he said that he got a 3.9% rate or something, which isn't terrible, but it's not zero and it's not 0.9 like the good old days, so to speak. So that cost of interest is very high if you have debt, if you have, if you have variable rate debt in particular. It's a frustrating thing because I think for a lot of people, OG, they felt like they were just beginning to get ahead, like things were starting to go well for them. But to your point, if you still have debt, those payments, they creep up on you. The amount that you're paying out to a bank that you weren't paying six months to them because of the rising interest rate tide. Yeah. I mean, uh, credit cards are usually priced as, you know, in terms of your payment, it's usually the interest that you accumulated that month plus one or one and a half percent of the balance. So... As that interest rate rises, that interest amount that you're paying goes up, of course, and therefore your payment goes up. And it goes up quite a bit. You know, it's really eye-opening if you don't do any really significant budgeting, if you just have a line item in your in your budget for like credit card payment or something like that, break that payment down into interest and principal. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like the bank does a good job of this for your mortgage. When you get the statement at the end of the year, it says, this is how much you paid in principal, this is how much you paid in interest. The first uh, house payment that I made on this house, or the first year of house payments that I made on this house, when I got that statement back that said, you made this much in principal and this much in interest, and the interest number was like 3x what the principal number was, I just said, okay, I'm not paying the bank more than I'm paying myself back, right? Like I I, I have to at least make those numbers even. And so that was kind of my personal goal for a long time. And the same thing I think you got to look at if you've got other consumer debt. You have to look and see how much how much of that payment, you know, you're paying $500 a month on your Visa card, like how much of that is interest? It's probably two-thirds of it. And um, well, on uh, those, that's, that's a big number. On those mortgages, OG, you know, the way the amortization table works, and I think a lot of people don't realize this, the lender gets most of their money in the early years, right? So, yeah. so you're not, you're not paying... Four percent, or if you're lucky enough to have gotten three percent, or even two points, that's not what you're paying. Your first year, even at a two point something, you're paying, man, maybe 65 percent interest in that first year. Right. Don't have a lot of first years, basically. Yeah, right. And making big payments in those early years, especially, can really drive down that total cost of uh, home ownership during the life of your loan. 
You know, I was reading a piece because I know what a lot of people do. They go out and they look for, okay, well, if interest rates are rising, how do I prepare for this? And I found a piece from Investopedia that I'm not as excited about as I was when I read Laura Foreman's piece about about the cruise lines. This is called How to Prepare for Rising Interest Rates. And I just want to go over what they tell you to do. Number one is cut your bond duration. That's that's their number one well, obviously, recommendation. I mean, the obvious thing that you want to look at is make a list of all the duration of all of your bonds and then take out a scissors and cut it. What the hell? Doug, uh, I know this is on mom's to-do list for you. Once you get done cutting the lawn for mom... She wants you to also cut her bond durations. That's cut the bond duration. Cut okay, the bond, sure. long, I, cut the bond duration. Can I use the electric clippers for that? For the bond duration? Yeah, because that would save a lot of time. I think. It to- totally would. Okay, all right. On it. I get really frustrated. How many people buy individual bonds, OG? Well, even if you have a bond fund, uh, dollars to donuts, you don't know what the duration is. And thricely, I don't think that... <laughs> Thricely. I have any idea what the hell we're talking about when we say cut your bond duration. Some people do, but I would say the vast majority of people don't. Wow. That's a dumb thing. Should we tell him or just skip it? Doug, when he wakes up, he wakes up big. All of a sudden he goes to Thricely and... There's smiles happening. What's what's going on? What's going on here? Uh, You know what? Let's skip it because if... Yeah, it's stupid. Don't cut your bond duration. Well, you, you should. But yeah, but if you own individual bonds, if you own individual bonds, congratulations, you're in the, you know, they talk about the one percenters, you're in the one percent of people that own individual bonds that listen to this show. Well, but the other thing too, is if you do have individual bonds, which would be fine for your fixed income, then you really honestly don't have anything to worry about. You're, you know, the bond prices go down. If you have individual bonds, you are contractually obligated or contractually guaranteed they i are, guess yeah they're contractually yeah. obligated yeah to pay you the full amount at the end of the bond like when it's over it's a just loan. hold it so just just hang on to it you know you're not getting the cherry interest that's coming out with the new ones right now but you're not going to lose any money as long as you hold it for the duration of the period of time that the loan is for the bond is for so if you do have individual bonds that's actually kind of a good thing and in today's market and uh Whatever price you see on your statement, you can disregard because you're going to get all your money back, supposedly. I like their second piece on here better, though. Look to stocks and stock funds. Interest rates go up, OG. Look to stock funds. Well, I mean, again, with fixed income, it's fixed, right? I mean, you have some debt that's going to be variable in your life, like credit cards, but the vast majority of your debt is fixed, and it's fixed on length and terms. So it's like your your mortgage is going to be whatever, your car payment's going to be whatever, it's not going to change. So if you're an investor in that, then you're not going to, you're not going to keep up if interest rates go up. So the only way that you can keep up is to have money invested in, in the ownership of companies where they can affect change immediately based on, based on interest rates. So stocks are really kind of the only place to be. Uh, the next one on here. Again, uh, use bond ladders. Beware of inflation hedges. I, I do want to dive into this for a second uh, because some people play the inflation hedge game. They get into gold, they get out of gold. And to their point, I think they're right on that if you're playing, well, number one, I think if you're playing that game in the first place, you're betting on where you think the economy's going, which is a losing Aaron. But on the second point, 
they talk about rising interest rates, OG, tend to curb inflation. That's why the Fed is raising interest rates. And so your inflation hedges tend to perform poorly. So I do agree with that. Well, gold's not an inflation hedge anyway. So stocks are inflation hedge. People think it is. People think they are. Oh, well, then it must be. Yes. If they think it must be, it was that uh, Napoleon, uh, not Napoleon Dynamite. Dynamite? Napoleon, somebody else. <laughs> Napoleon Hill. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite, Napoleon Hill. They're kind of the, anyways. Did you just compare the dude who uh, wrote Think and Grow Rich yes. to the dude who, who wore a t-shirt that says, vote for Pedro? Yes. <laughs> Gosh. Really good with the nunchucks. Come on. Yes. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> uh, the best thing to do in a rising interest rate environment, OG, the one thing I could think of is lock in your interest rates. I mean, wherever you're at, if you've got variable rate loans, like lock in fixed rates. Yeah, and aggressively paid off. You know, all the stuff that we were talking about uh, six months ago or a year ago about, hey, it, you know, it doesn't make sense to like refinance your house and take the equity and or invest it. And, you know, I could arbitrage this interest rate and that sort of stuff. That's all super sexy when that spread between the current rate and and your stock portfolio is quite large when all of a sudden your interest rate on your debt is six or 7% and the return on your stock portfolio is minus 18. Where should the focus be? That's I think why one of those principles of just don't owe anybody any money really saves you a boatload in the long run because during times like this, you're not paying all that interest expense. And then you have the uh, cash flow availability to then do what you really should be doing, which is to be buying more stock. Well, hopefully the cruise lines are able to use this uh, this return to profitability to maybe pay down some of that debt and do better as well. Uh, we will do a deeper dive on debt management and what rising rates mean and maybe some pieces that we like better in our newsletter, The 201. If you want to do a deeper dive on this topic or any topic that we talk about on the show, head to stackybenjamins.com slash 201, the number 201. And uh we will get you signed up for our newsletter that comes out twice a week. They give awards for newsletters. I think this will be an award-winning newsletter at this point. Just fantastic pretty, stuff. Pretty sure they do. Pretty sure they do give awards for newsletters, Joe. Do they really? I think so. Oh, we gotta we gotta submit ours because I will put ours against any of those. Coming up next, talk about award-winning. These guests are just fantastic award winners. Uh, Carl and Mindy Jensen are a powerhouse, not just when it comes to real estate, but also chatting about it with people on the internet. Carl is the co-host of the fairly new Mile High Fi podcast. He also is the brain behind the Mr. 1500 blog. We'll talk about his creation of the Mr. 1500 blog and why he did that. Carl, for a long time, worked in the construction industry, didn't want to do it anymore, said, you know what, how do I get out of this early? Decided he had 1,500 days left and began his journey in chronicling it. Mindy Jensen, of course, has been for a long time, was the community manager at Bigger Pockets, a fantastic real estate community online. And she's the co-host with the CEO of Bigger Pockets, Scott Trench of uh, the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. They are up next. But before that, Mr. Doug, you got some trivia that might leave a smile on our face. I always do, Joe. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And sure, I'm gruntled here on Gruntled Workers Day. If we're talking about being happy, we should talk about the happiest place on earth. No, 
Not talking about Disney again. Have you seen all the sweaty, crying children around 4 p.m. at that place? No, we're talking about the place where everyone leaves with a smile, the Mustang Ranch. So my question is, what city is the Mustang Ranch associated with? Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union lets you experience more from everyday commutes to your next big vacation. The flagship credit card earns you three times the points on travel. So if you pay your credit cards off on time, you can start collecting some nice points. You get rewarded for wherever you're headed next. Plus, this premium travel card is a low annual fee of $49 and two times the points on all purchases outside of travel, meaning the rewards don't have to end even when the vacation does. And remember, if you're not paying your credit card off every month, rewards don't matter. But if they do, why wouldn't you capture more rewards? Speaking of rewards, you can get a Navy Federal auto loan and reward yourself with a low-cost loan if you need a loan for that new car. Applying is easy. You can do it on their mobile app, online, or by phone. And it's so fast, you can get a decision in seconds. Navy Federal's great rates on auto loans, plus with their car buying service powered by TrueCar, you can shop, compare, and get the upfront pricing on your next new or used car. If you have to take out a loan, you want to make sure you get a great price on the loan and you want to get great financing. Of course, that's where Navy Federal comes in because at Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, open to the armed forces, the DOD veterans and their families. Flagship rates are variable and range between 10.74% and 18% APR based on creditworthiness. ATM fees for cash advances are up to $1 at non-Navy Federal ATMs, credit and collateral subject to approval. Message and data rates may apply. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information and to apply. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together we can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because... Well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey there, stackers. I'm Mustang Ranch restaurant-only patron, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Don't judge. The ribeye steak is to die for. The Mustang Ranch is a legal escort service, meaning that they rent only Ford Escorts, of course. It's the oldest service of its kind, and they even had a reality show about it. So, what city is the Mustang Ranch associated with? 
Reno, Nevada. And now, to help you turn your money into a working girl, Carl and Mindy Jensen. And coming down to their basement. It's weird because I'm normally in my basement. We've got two people here. One who I think wins the award for guy we've talked about having on the show more times than any other who's never appeared on the Stacky Benjamin show <laughs> and his spouse who needs a frequent flyer pass because she's been on a lot. Carl and Mindy Jensen are here. How are you guys? Hi, Joe. I'm doing very well. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thanks for being my hoteliers. Yeah. Uh, and thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be on. I don't know why it didn't work out in the past. I blame myself, but if you have to have one of us, I'll be honest, Mindy's a much better, much better guest. So I don't think so, man. I've listened to you and Doug on your podcast and it's slightly fun. Uh, slightly, slightly fun. <laughs> Thanks for saying that, Joe. Is this episode 1500? This is, this is not, but we're getting close. We're up to 12 something. Oh, maybe you could save this for, 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 for episode 1500. Well, you know more. what? Th- that episode <laughs> is devoted to you guys because you are Mr. and Mrs. 1500. Let's actually start there. I want to talk about your life today, not your life when you started, because I think that a lot of people just need to know why this is important. Uh, Carl, when you guys have a, your average day to day, what time do you leave the house for work? <laughs> I don't have a job, so I wake up whenever I wake up. I haven't set an alarm in many, many years. And you're how old? I am 48. And your much younger spouse also, uh, uh, you do have a job. I do have a job. I'm actually older than he is. Oh, wow. Fooled me. You're so sweet, Joe. <laughs> Joe wins dollar. big points. You can tell I've been married for a long time. <laughs> I'm like, I got to check all these boxes. All right. Nope. I uh, do have a job. You do, but it's a job that you love. It is a job that I love so much. I would almost do it for free. Which by the way, I think is the point. If you, let's be clear here, you could get rid of that job today. I don't have to work and I would still have enough money to live for the rest of our lives. We would still have enough money. It's it's our money, Joe. And we would still have enough money to live for the rest of our lives very comfortably. I don't know, Carl. I've been here 24 hours and I feel like it's Mindy's money and you're kind of along for the ride. I know. Note that she just said, I, was that a Freudian slip? Are are you planning something? But it wasn't always like that, Carl. I mean, there was a point where this was all a dream, which was the point of becoming Mr. 1500. Yeah. The blog is fairly new. We launched the blog January of 2013. We discovered financial independence pretty late in life. I was late 30s, I think 37. That would have been October of 2012, I had a bad day at work and Googled, how do I retire early? And I didn't even really think that was a thing. I was just so desperate. My job was so stressful. I thought it was going to kill me early. And I think it actually would have done that. But anyway, I did that Google search and up came Mr. Money Mustache and J.D. Roth. And they talked about retiring early. And especially with Pete, I think he said he retired at 31. I'm like, my first thought was, what kind of scam have I found on the internet? This is just nonsense. No one retires when they're 31. Right. And you're, and you're what? You're 38 then. Yeah. Doing yeah. some quick math here. Yeah. And then I started reading his blog a little bit. I'm like, no, it's only a numbers problem. As soon as I accumulate this amount of money, I can leave my job. I don't have to work forever. And the cool thing was, even though we didn't know about financial independence before that, we were savers. I had money insecurity issues growing up. So as soon as I could, 
uh, we maxed out our 401ks and Roths and all that stuff. So we were in a good place. We were set up to retire early, even though we didn't know about it. Even though you didn't know what the what the game was at the time. Yeah, that put a name to what we were already doing and gave us, uh, it moved the goal up. If I didn't find that, I don't know what would have happened. Maybe we would have retired with just tons of money that we would have never been able to spend, which is funny because that's how it's worked out anyway. Life but is good. I, but I still get this feeling, Mindy, that Carl comes home one day after reading this stuff on the internet like a house on fire. He was working from home, so he just came downstairs and <laughs> said, hey, I found this thing and I'm going to retire. I'm going to quit my job. I'm like, great, do it. Because he was so stressed out. He was not hiding his stress. He was really, really hating his job. I'm like, quit your job. We can figure it out. You're smart. You can go get another job and then you know you can get a better job. You can get a job that isn't so stressful. He's like, and I'm going to write a blog about it. I'm like, well, that's just stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But these bloggers are making money hand over fist. He didn't even make money for this blog (laughs) for like three years. No, but that's good. I love the idea, though, of telling your story. And I want to stop for a second here because I think this is really important. At the time, you didn't really know if you had enough for financial independence, but Mindy's Mindy's saying, hey, we'll figure this out. I mean, I feel like that's, that is kind of the point of this story, that even if you're not there yet, pausing and going, what the hell am I doing, Carl, I think is a great thing. Yeah. Well, number one, I'll back up a second. I'm so thankful to have a spouse who was on board from the get-go. You always hear these stories in the financial independence community. Hey, I discovered Mr. Money Mustache and I'm on board, but my spouse is not. Now. Yeah, yeah. What do I do now? And I did have a spouse on board, which was very good. And what was your original question? I, I, I hijacked it, Joe, sorry. <laughs> no, no. Well, that's a big piece of it because what Mindy said was, hey, you didn't say this, Mindy, but it sounded like without even doing the math, right? Without even figuring out if you can retire forever, this idea of quit your job because it's not for you and we'll figure it out, I think is a, I think is a strong place because you don't want to live your life in this regret. Like I've talked to so many people that are like, I wish I remember my high school track coach and we were on our way to the state meet and he was telling me, cause there were only a couple of us that qualified. So it was one of the few times I was in, I was in a spot with just, you know, where he and I are having a conversation and he said, you know, I always wanted to be a singer. And I never did it. And he was like 55 and he thought it was too late. He's like, no, I know I, I never did it. And I regret that I didn't do that. And so this idea that you can hit the pause button that Mindy's talking about and figure it out at 38, regardless of the math. Yeah. To anyone who doubts that they can do it, I say, instead of making excuses for why you can't figure out why you can, because there are a lot of ways that it it might not be as easy or as simple for, for some folks. Uh, if you're a single parent with multiple kids and got a rough start, it's going to be more difficult for you. But I think most people can do this. And even if you can't, even if you don't want the financial independence part of it, there's so much value into just getting your money right in your life. So you, you want to work forever, fine, but let's talk and let's get your money straight so you have these options in the future. I do want to point out that we were in a good financial position when I said, quit your job. We weren't struggling. We didn't have mounds of debt. We had, I think we had a mortgage and that was it. We had savings. We had a good cushion and he had skills that were in demand. So he could have quit his job without getting a new job 
and taken a moment to breathe and figured out what he wanted and then gone and got a job. And that's the importance of getting the foundation in place. Yes. I don't want people to hear this story and say, wow, I hate my job. I'm going to quit today. And they have a mountain of debt and they don't really have a lot of great skills and, 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 and then they you know, take this, this message and they're like, well, Mindy said I should quit my job and now I'm broke. But I don't know. You can start fixing those things one thing at a time. Just take it one, you know, the elephant one thing at a time. Yes. Start with one bite, but yeah. I want to ask you about your ride then. Then why did you decide real estate? Like the financial dependence for us was going to be real estate. The real estate part of it actually came before we discovered any of this, uh, When we first got married, I had a house. It was my grandmother's house that I had purchased uh, after my grandmother passed away. I purchased it from my mom's estate. And did you get any pushback from other relatives when you did that? uh, They all got payouts. So I think they were fine with it. They just saw the money. No one else wanted the house. Yeah. Everyone was fine. There's been no stress about that whatsoever. Yeah. So one day it was an old house and our bathroom faucet was leaking and I called up a plumber and the plumber's like, uh, yeah, I could fix it. It'll be like 125 bucks. I'll be over tomorrow. So tomorrow Cubs, I don't hear from the guy. He never shows up. I call him back, nothing. So I'm like, I'm pretty mad at this. I'm trying to pay this guy to come fix this issue and he doesn't even have the courtesy to show up on time or return my call. So I'm like, screw this guy. And this is before YouTube. So they've got these things called libraries that are filled with these what? paper things called books. Yeah. Amazing. Oh. And that's how we used to get our knowledge. So I go to the to the library, get a book for all on you plumbing. young people. That's how we used to get our knowledge. <laughs> yes, yes. So and I see, I just have to buy this part from Home Depot for like, or whatever the home improvement store at the time for like a buck. I went to Ace Hardware, and I fixed it myself. I'm like, wow, I I'm not a blue collar dude. I was a computer programmer, but this isn't that hard. And if this isn't that hard, I fix this plumbing thing, what else could we do? So that started us on this journey, like, let's learn how to tile. Let's learn how to hang cabinets. So we did all this. We did some minor repairs in that house. and We sold it for 100000 more than we had purchased it wow. for. And uh, all that was tax-free because of the IRS code. I don't know if the two out of five-year rule was in place at that time, but they had a different rule. So it... The effect was the same. We paid no capital gains. And I was making about a third of that in my salary and less than a third after taxes. So like, holy cow, we just did a little bit of work on weekends. Let's do this again. So we bought our next house was a fixer upper and our next one after that and our next one after that. And we just kept on plowing money into these and repeating the same process. You laughed at me. What was going on? Mindy I was, was. You said we hung cabinets, and I was remembering how we hung cabinets in the Monona house with the car jack and the boxes. <laughs> the car jack. <laughs> that was not the correct way to do it. We have since <laughs> learned a better way to hang cabinets. They don't show that on the YouTube videos? No. No. It, it's so obvious the right way to do it. You just screw a little stringer to the wall, like a two by four, and you set the cabinet on that. If anyone wants help, uh, give us a call. <laughs> We'll make a video. But this became then a lifestyle for the two of you, Mindy. It did. And for a while, it was really great because we were married, but we didn't have kids. So we could just come home from our jobs and then work on the house for a while and go to bed and get up and do it all over again. Once we had kids, that kind of changed things, but it didn't change the way that we were working on the house. Yeah, because now you got to, it did change things. Now you got a crew of four instead of a crew of two. Think about no, that. Those infants don't really pull their weight. <laughs> oh, one star. And um, and neither do the seven or eight-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> or the 12-year-olds. Despite my best efforts. Girls, this is a valuable skill. 
Yeah, I don't want to learn this. What were some of the early mistakes that you made on your houses besides maybe hanging cabinets with a car jack? Uh, Well, definitely that one. Um, Hiring the cheapest guys. Oh, the Monona house again. That was, we all want to do that by the way. I mean, you think, Hey, I get a few bids. I go with the cheapest one. Yes. Well, the cheapest guy is going to be the cheapest guy. He's going to cut the corners. He's going to be, uh, and they had a good pitch too. They, they talked about buying a house for their guys to work on over the winter time. This was in Wisconsin where it's cold in the winter. They bought a house for their guys to work on so that they could keep them employed. And then they would just sell the house in the spring. And I thought that was really great. And they happened to be the cheapest, but they were 45 minutes away from our house. And they took the slowest way to get to our house. It was supposed to be a three-month project and it took them six months. Mm. And, and and when they're halfway done, you can't really do anything about it. I mean, you're already on the train. Yeah. And I mean, you can fire them and hire somebody else, but that's going to be even worse. Sure. Because now you've got to get somebody to come in and like, fix their mistakes if there's mistakes or like take over the project and they're going to think there's mistakes. And didn't one of the guys like the foreman got fired for (laughs) drinking on the job or something like there was just a lot of mistakes with these guys. And that particular house we had, like they came and ripped off the roof, brand new roof that the people that we bought the house from had put on. They ripped off the roof because we were popping the top and then they went home for the weekend. They put tarps over and then this was again. Oh no. Can you see, Joe, you're, you're ruining the Sorry. punchline. A 500 year storm came in Oh, and we're watching, we're watching this on this website called Wonderground and we're seeing purple come in. Red is just rain and purple is like almost thunderstorms. And we have a four month old baby and it's raining from the light fixtures everywhere. There was a spot in the middle of our bed that we could put the baby where it wasn't wet. And then we were, we just had buckets and bowls and anything that could collect water all over the house. It was just like, that was like the best experience of this old transaction. It was just, it was a really, really difficult house. And a lot of it was because we hired the wrong people. Yeah. If you are going to hire out, be, very, very careful. Because even if you ask for referrals, they're not going to give you any people who have been unhappy with their <laughs> right, work. They're right. going to give you their brother or oh, brother-in-law or something. Remember that one we were calling up ref- reference? Yeah. When they give you referral references, call up the references. I called up one reference and they're like, I have no idea why they put my name on that list. We're currently suing them. Wow. I was like, whoa, okay. Thank you. Yeah. I don't need to call any more references for this wow. guy. But yeah, absolutely call references. And- you know, do a lot of research on the people that are working on your house. We were adding a second story. We were doing an enormous amount of work on this house. We did not do the requisite homework for the people that were going to be doing that much work. I think you don't have to do quite as much work when you're hiring an electrician to, you know, install can lights in your kitchen. Right. right. They just need to be licensed. Why, why flip versus buy and hold real estate? We actually do both. When we buy properties, we usually have multiple exit strategies. But when you buy one that's in poor condition, and now we've kind of pivoted to where I do most of the work myself, which we could talk about that, that's good and bad. But you have instant equity in it, no matter what you're going to do with the house. We just purchased another one weeks ago, and we might turn it into a medium-term rental or perhaps a long-term rental. We might sell it. But the fact that it's in poor condition – 
that everything needs to be done on it is superficial issues that I could probably fix in a month of pretty hard work. No matter what we decide to do with it, I'm going to have a lot of equity in it after that month. How do you get that skill though? Do you, uh, do you just have to mess one up like you guys did? I mean, do you just have to take your lumps or do you, is there some way that you would tell people to evaluate a property? We look for things that are within our skill level. I don't want a house with foundation issues. I don't want to, there's a lot that goes into this. I'll back up a second. One thing I like to tell people is it's better to wait for a really good deal than to jump into an okay deal. You want to make sure there's lots of headroom in there for appreciation once you're done with the work. So this current house we're sitting in now, I think this took us, what, at least two years to find? Mm-hmm. But after that, so we could talk about this in depth, but I won't unless you want to. You have to find a great neighborhood and you have to find one that has houses in your vintage. I don't want a house that's 100 years old because mm. that's a whole other can of worms. So we find houses like 30 or 40 years old because most of those have superficial issues. If the foundation is going to sink, it's already done that. But it might have pink toilets and blue bathtubs. So that's pretty easy. I can rip that out. Uh, minor electrical and plumbing work is pretty easy. I can do windows, but it's all superficial stuff. We're usually not doing a big rebuild um, in addition, it's always difficult because then you're probably going to have to hire it out. And I guess it's going to be different for everyone. With If you're going to DIY it, it depends on what skills you have and what you want to do. It. I would also tell people that I enjoy this in moderation. If you don't really enjoy it, maybe this isn't for you. And who do you know? Because finding a contractor is really difficult. In 2008, there was this little housing crash. And a lot of the people who worked on houses went out of business and went and found jobs in other industries. And many of them have not come back. So contractors of all ilk are not there. It's difficult to find an electrician. It's difficult to find a plumber. It's difficult to find somebody to come in and do the work. And when you can find somebody who will call you back, they're quoting exorbitant prices. What did our friend pay for their uh, basement remodel? Like $50,000 or $35,000? It was an enormous amount of money to remodel their basement or finish off their basement. Well, our friend just got a quote for $100,000, and it's a little bit bigger than ours. But just to put that in perspective, I think ours, we have about fifteen into it. And there was a lot of heavy lifting here, but it's because I've DIY'd it. If theirs is a little bit bigger. If I did their basement, it probably would have been 30000 yeah, but thirty thousand to DIY versus a hundred thousand to hire somebody else to do it. So, your original question was, how do you figure out what you want to do? You know, what skills do you have? What contractors do you know? Who can you get to do the work? And you know, then start looking for properties that fit those criteria. I mean, if all you're going to do is paint the walls and put in new flooring and maybe redo the kitchen. That's something you can do yourself, or you can more easily find somebody to do the work. Whereas if you're going to, like in this house, we redid the kitchen and the bathrooms, and we did this whole basement, and we built the deck on the backyard, and we're going to re-landscape everything, and, 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 that's a lot more work. That's a lot of different contractors that you have to find or do the work yourself. But again, Carl said, we started doing this before YouTube. YouTube University is the best free college that there is. And you can go to YouTube and search for any project you want to do. How do I hang drywall? How do I build a deck? How do I 
paint a wall. And there's 11,000 videos that'll show you how to do it. I was just doing this the other day with my windshield wiper blades on, on this car. First time I've, I've changed them. I actually was at a place in the, and they were going to do it for me. And the price they wanted was just, I'm like, I think I can go down to O'Reilly's and get my own. But I had to watch three different YouTube videos before I found the one that actually worked. But I love that. I mean, once I finally found the right people, but I think that's the same on your real estate journey. Like once you find the few contractors that you guys need to work with now, I would imagine it's a simple phone call because you probably have the team, right? In the case where you can't do it yourself. (laughs) Yeah. With some people, with others, uh, it's difficult to deal with contractors because what I found is if they have work tomorrow, they don't care about today. But like I remember the guys. What do you were, mean by no, if they have work today, that? they don't care about tomorrow? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I reverse that. Yeah, yeah. If, if they have work today, <laughs> like, what do you mean by that? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> so like the guys working on our house, they were about a week yes. from from being done, and they started asking me like, "Well, do you know any other jobs around here?" I'm like, "No, not really." I'm like, uh, "You guys don't have anything lined up?" So, like, so they're not lining stuff up. Yeah, and, but on the other side, I know when I have a project, when I have a project, if somebody you know wants to wait three weeks, I will keep calling. So maybe the, the problem is also the consumer, isn't it? Yeah, it, it might be. I think a lot of people are really, really good at construction, but not so good at the business end of it. And that's just our narrow sure. experience. Yeah, We don't deal a lot with contractors anymore just because I've been so turned off by dealing with poor ones that we just do it ourselves. And even we had really great ones for our past house. I can't get them to return my call anymore. I've given them references or I've given them to other people. Now they're just too busy on other stuff. I guess so. I have no idea because I can't get a hold of them. Yeah. The same guys who were scrambling to find work at the end of our job won't call us back. Even though we paid them, we paid them on time. We paid them every week. It's surreal. Scrambling. Yes. It is a weird business. Yeah, it, it it is. And I think that Carl said that that he thinks maybe it's just our narrow view. I've seen a lot more through my work at Bigger Pockets. And I think it's, you know, yeah, there are going to be contractors who are good at running their business, but most of them are just good at doing sure. construction. Yeah, I think it's systemic because, man, I've had it in Texarkana. My son with his rental properties, had a hell of a time putting a team together. He doesn't do any of the work by himself. He has a team, but it probably took him the first three or four houses to find the team. And to your point, Carl, I think part of his magic is he always has the next one ready to go. And so it makes it easy for them to not have to worry about business. They just ride Nick's next job, you know, and follow him that way. To, to drive this point home, Joe, we were talking about construction and you were talking about some projects in Texarkana. And when you were talking about this, the thought that was going through my head was, I wonder if when these guys are done with Joe, I wonder if they want to come up to Colorado. Like I'll give them an all expense paid trip because they look like they're pretty good. And (laughs) Joe's had a good experience and I'm not kidding either. I've tried to outsource people like Amish are really good at doing fences and steel roofs. Like, yeah. Hey, you want an all expenses paid trip to to Colorado? I don't know how you do transportation and all that horse and buggy might take a little while. I think I'll take buses, but trains, trains. Okay. Yeah. So steel roof. They're good for that. And yeah, that's how much, how painful it's been to try to hire people for the last one. I think I found it is bad when you will just import people from other States. Yeah. I'll import people from other countries. Hell, yes. I had someone from like some Eastern European countries say, Hey, I'd like to come over. I'm like, sure. But, uh, I think we put a spreadsheet of like 50 people. We needed carpenters. We wanted to hire out the rough carpet carpentry and out of 50 two returned our call. 
One showed up and none of them worked out. How it finally happened was I happened to be walking around the neighborhood and talked to the people. I saw that they were doing good work. I'm like, when's your job up? Do you want to do this one after that? Sure. But ah, it, it drives me nuts. I'm getting anxiety right now. It's making me mad. <laughs> Joe, when, when do your guys become available? <laughs> well, actually, they're available right now because my, my stuff is finished. So we better get yes, on it. Jump on it. You know, initially, your goal was 1,500 days of work. Tell me that journey. How did that end up working out? Yeah. So, and to back up a second, we, we already had good savings, as Mindy mentioned earlier, but we did not have enough to retire. I just pulled some numbers out of my rear and thought, hey, if we earn 10% a year and contribute X amount and tweak our life a little bit, we had a really nice house. We moved to a really bad one, which became another fixer-upper. It would take us about 1,500 days to retire. That was a million dollars with no debt. And it actually, we got there a year earlier because this was 2013 and we had a really, really great you stock nice, market. Nice updraft in the yeah, stock market. Really great tailwind. And the whole goal was kind of silly because to try to predict short-term movement in the stock market like anything under a decade or maybe two decades is pretty ridiculous. But hey, it worked out for us, right? <laughs> Made for some good blog fodder. Well, but this is a question though, with the market being down now, Mindy, does that worry you and being able to continue to do what you want to do when you do what you want to do? No, it doesn't worry me at all because I'm not investing for tomorrow. I'm investing for 10, 20 years down the road. Is this where though having another stream of income like you have comes into play? It is certainly more helpful to have a job that is bringing in income when the stock market goes down. Yeah. I can live off of my salary which is really nice. And I have, I'm a real estate agent, so I've got that salary. His blog brings in income. We've got that money coming in. We have some real estate syndications. We have this new house, so that's going to generate some income. We have a co-working space that generates some income. So there's all these different places to pull income from. We could sell stocks if we needed to, but we don't need to. And that is very comforting to be in that position. But I love this idea at the beginning of this discussion, we talked about deciding let's hit pause because you had that foundation built. And now you're at the point though, that you're working, doing things that you love. So why not? Well, and we have two children who are 15 and 12. Uh, the little one is going into seventh grade. So she still has five more years at home. Not at least five years. She has five years at home. And then once she's graduated from high school, get out. I just got to say, I heard her play the bassoon yesterday. And I think Imagine Dragons is probably going to come get her in the next year or two. She's going to be going on tour with one of these big bands, maybe Katy Perry. I don't know. Could be. Yeah. She is an aspiring bassoonist. Kid's got a future. <sighs> but <laughs> That's what a bassoon sounds like. That's Carl's impression of the bassoon. So we're location dependent for at least five more years. I like what I do. If I didn't, I wouldn't work there. But I like what I do and I want to stay there. I need to fill up my days. And I could fill up my days with something else if I didn't have this job. But I have this job that both generates income and I enjoy. So as long as I enjoy it, I'm going to stay there. And you know, when the stock market's down, maybe I enjoy it a little bit more. <laughs> just just slightly more. I like that. No pressure, but it certainly motivates me a little bit to get out of bed, right? Yeah. And you know, I do want to point out, I don't think people are talking about this enough in the 4% rule in uh Bill Bengen's original 
uh, research, there was one period of time where just a four percent rule for people that don't know, because we've we've talked about this a couple times. Four percent of your your nest egg is what you can spend reliably to get where you want to go, as long as it's invested, earning a reasonable rate of return. I think that what four percent rule seven. Uh seven. I think it's seven percent. I think return. it's a seven percent return. And he had a sixty forty stock yes. allocation. Yeah. Um, it's a fascinating read. Have you ever read the original article? A long time the, ago. Oh, it's so long, good. long, long time ago. So good. Yeah. But in the four percent rule, the one instance or the one period of time where money didn't last at least thirty years was when you retired into a period of incredible inflation, which is where we're at right now. And I'm not saying that to scare people. I'm saying that to, you know, alert people. Hey, do some research. Michael Kitsis has an amazing article where he extrapolated Bill Bengen's original research because Bill did it in the 90s. And Michael continued on. And again, it was that that period of time where we hit really high inflation right when you were retiring. And he calculated it went below zero, but it was like one time. Yeah. And the 4% rule is only 4% because of that one period of time. It's actually more like 6 or 7%. So in many cases, when you retire, you have a lot more. You can make it. Like somebody that w- did start tapping their investments in 2013 in that uproar stock market, probably even today is still good at a higher percentage. Yeah. So if you're thinking about retiring now, maybe look at your spending, look at your nest egg. If you're just barely hitting your your 4% rule number, maybe consider a part-time job or consider a different, maybe you don't spend so much, maybe you don't pull out so much, but be aware of your finances. You don't just retire and stop looking at your money. I do not like that. (laughs) I know I got to what? I got to keep paying attention, Mindy. Is that your point? That's horrible. Yes, That is just rotten. Well, I like this idea though of solve for flexibility, not for optimization, right? I mean, too often we go, oh, I barely have enough. Let's pull the trigger. Not not a good time. I want to ask you about what's going on in your respective uh, podcasts, because obviously we have people that love listening to other podcasts. And Carl, because we, we haven't talked on this show much at all about Mile High Fi. So you and Doug, crazy show. What do you guys got coming up? Yeah. Who do we have coming up? We like to interview interesting people. And Luckily, we're in Longmont, so Longmont is a bit of no a, shortage. Yeah, it's kind of like a mecca for early retirees. Mister Money Mustache is right here, and and we're here because of him. We sent him an email and say, "Hey, how's Longmont? Let's come check it out." And boom, we're here. Where were you at before here? Uh, we were in Parker, Colorado, for a very short stint, and prior to that, we were in the Midwest, like Chicagoland and Wisconsin. But you don't have the wonderful accent down. I love accents, no matter where they are. Like the Northeast Texas where I'm at now, but the I love calling Minneapolis when I worked with American Express. That's where our headquarters was. They'd be like, "Okay, there, Joe, how you doing?" <laughs> yeah, uh, I've tried to sometimes if I'm nervous or tired, my Chicago accent comes out, but I try to suppress it because I don't think it's pleasant. I like your pizza, I just don't like your accent, Chicago. Wow, Chicago said your hate mail to Carl. Oh <laughs> yeah. no, Chicago's a great yeah. city. I love it. But who's what? coming up? Who's coming up? A good story coming? Ah, uh, who is coming up? I'm trying to figure out. It's mostly locals. So the thing about our podcast is we've had some great big people on there. We've had Paul Pant on there. We've had Pete, Mr. Money Mustache on there, but I think it's just as good and maybe even more interesting to interview local people. These untold stories. Yeah, because those are the people who aren't making money from a blog. These are the people who are 
really living the FI life and living by the 4% rule. So yeah, to tamp down any, any excitement, it's just uh, locals. But I think we have one with a guy named Eric Peterson, who's a local friend and just outstanding. What a great guy he is. And he was actually in the mutual fund industry. So he's like, I worked for the dark side. I, could be <laughs> funds and I saw the light and I, I stopped doing that. But he had a lot of really good insight on why a lot of actively managed funds aren't a great idea. And a really good FI story on top of that. And we're going to have Mindy on again soon. I don't know if you know that, but it's going to be great, whatever we do. <laughs> I didn't know that, but hooray. How about that? Congratulations. <laughs> and Joey, just, it would be awesome to I have got you on. guest booking. It, it, it'd be fun. Yeah. Absolutely. We had fun no last night just hanging out with the Longmont crowd. And Mindy, what's going on at Bigger Pockets Money? We have a story coming up. It's a friend of Scott's, and his nickname is Ruthless Toothless because he's a. <laughs> He's a hockey player, former hockey player and rugby player, and he lost his two front teeth. And he's in the military, and he's about to get permanent. permanent oh yeah, veneers and. But he can pull out his teeth very easily, and he does it at the end of. There's a video, and he does it at the end, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's really shocking." Whole oh. different look. Whole different look. Wow, teeth are very important. But he's got a really great story because he was a financial disaster. And when I say that, a lot of people are thinking, oh, okay, so we had like a 520 credit score. No, he had like a 412 credit score. He just didn't want to think about it. So he didn't. And he saw Scott buy beer for everybody on the rugby team. And he's like, how is this young kid buying beer for everybody? What is he doing that I'm not doing? Like, how is he? And by Scott, for people who don't know, this is uh, this is Mindy's co-host and the CEO of BiggerPockets, Scott Trench. Yes, Scott Trench. So he asked Scott, how are you able to do this? And this is the best part of his story. Scott shared with him how you fix your money. And he took the advice and took action and fixed his money. And Scott's probably oh, in his 20s or maybe 30 at the time. Scott was probably in his 20s yeah. at the time. So, I mean, he's only barely 30 now. Yeah. So, yeah, he was in his 20s at the time and like very impressively buying beer for people. And this guy took action. And fixed his finances. You know, there's a lot of people who are embarrassed that their money situation is in a bad place. So they just ostrich syndrome, hide their head in the sand and don't even want to fix it. Because it might might get better if I don't look at it. Yes, exactly. That's exactly how it works all the time. So um, it it was just really nice to hear this story that not only did I take action, I fixed my finances and now I am in a great financial position. I have four rental properties with my wife. We're doing really great. And we are building our financial future. Mindy, Carl, thanks so much for not only hosting me here at the Jensen Ranch, but, but thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. This was so much fun. Joe, it's always lovely to talk to you. Hey, Nick Loper here from the Side Hustle Show. When I'm not helping people earn money outside of their day job, I'm stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Carl and Mindy for uh, not only that fantastic uh, interview that just makes me want to go out. and I, I'm not a real estate investor, OG, but it makes but me want to go be buy one. some houses. Yes. Uh, and they've been so successful at it. But I like, I like what they talked about, OG. Don't go quit your job without setting up that foundation. And people want to skip the foundational stuff, but because they had a good foundation, Mindy could say, yeah, Carl, let's do it. Let's uh, go ahead and quit now and we'll, we'll figure it out. 
And I feel like that's the difference between people that make it through that moat, that tough period, and people who don't is having the uh, debt paid off, like we talked about earlier, and having a good emergency fund to draw from. Yep, it matters. And by the way, if, if people are disgruntled, and I think, Doug, what you're doing here might be a soliloquy on the on the nature of that word. Disgruntled is the lack of gruntled. Oh, that helps. <laughs> what, what it's very helpful. Actually, what is it? Well, that's the point. What does it mean to be gruntled? I'm not sure. I don't we know, know, but I'm doing those exercises every day here in my chair. Those are the the exercises you can do to really, without even having to get up, the gruntling oh, exercises. Your, your inner thigh yeah, exercises. Oh, yeah. so you my can get gruntle gruntled. muscle is so strong. I've got total control over my gruntle muscle. Well, maybe that'll get you better life insurance rates. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. I don't know. I just realized. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first. Finding a checkout line at Costco with nobody in it. Oh, does that happen? Is there such a it thing? It does. And when you see it, angels, like you don't even have to be done shopping. When you see it, you sprint to that line because that never happens. Because you're done then. It's like a sunny day in Ireland. Just doesn't happen. My least favorite thing that happens, I would say uh, four out of five times we go to the grocery store. Cheryl's like, you get in line and I got to run back and get something. Right. And invariably then I'm at the front of the line. We're completely checked out. I've got five people behind me and we're still waiting for her to come to the front. Yeah, is there an urgency, a panic worse? You're sitting there waiting. You're looking over your shoulder. Come on, Cheryl. Come on, Cheryl. I'm almost there. I've got to the point. Terrified. I, got, <laughs> I got to the point now where I'm just like, nope, nope. She's like, but we're going to wait in that line. I'm like, no, no, no. I would be the one waiting in that line. I'd rather wait together with you to get the death stare from four people behind me because we're all waiting for you <laughs> for right. the poppy seed dressing. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds... Very specific. <laughs> I don't, 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 don't know where that came from. Wow, let's get back to the read. It says Matt at Haven Life. The Matt Haven Life. Pressing. <laughs> Matt's, Matt's like, isn't it uh, time for us to talk about Haven Life? Yes, uh, less time at the Costco checkout, Doug, means more time living. And also, by the way, that's the same reason they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Their application is simple online. You get an instant coverage decision, affordable prices, and all policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, more than a 160-year-old insurer. If you know that you need insurance, just get it done now. Get it done right now and then go about your summer. StackyBedjamins.com slash Haven Life tells them that we sent you. Today's, uh, we're going to throw out the Haven Lifeline to David. Say, hey, David. Hey, Joe and OG. First of all, I want to say thank you guys for all that you have done. I've been listening to you for the last four years. Um, and although I really haven't learned anything, I do know that there was accidentally a day back in 2018 that I learned something about HSAs. And since then, I've been fully investing into it and plan on using it as a retirement account. Um, past two years in my work in, in education have been really tough. And I've been wondering how much longer I'm going to be able to stay doing this. I'm currently 55 with 32 years as a teacher and as an administrator. Um, my question today really is about adding a VEBA account um, upon retirement. I'm in my district. I can cash out 25% of my unused sick days and vacation days when I retire. This would be about 80 days that could be put into a VEBA account. Now, I've heard that you cannot contribute to both a VEBA and an HSA in the same year. Is that true? 
I've been researching the topic online and have found nothing. So I thought I would ask the only people <clears throat> that I know that are actually smarter than the Internet. I'm also wondering if there's a loophole here. If my district is putting the money into the Vida account on my behalf, is that okay since I would not be contributing that money? Or does this mean that I should not contribute to the HSA in my final year since the Viva contribution would be so much greater? Thank you for all you do. Despite the show having no educational value, I will continue to recommend it to all my friends. <laughs> and, and we cut him off. Right as he's giving us a compliment, we cut off David. We're like, okay, enough. Let's, let's get on with that. Uh, man, we got some stuff going on here because, Doug, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier what David has where he can use his sick days, pile them at the end, doesn't happen as often as it used to. So if no. people are if people are thinking that they're going to take a bunch of sick days at the end of their career, um, you might want to check with your HR to make sure that still is the same. Yeah. Though ask that question carefully because it's a major tip off. <laughs> <laughs> well, gee, Mike, why do you ask? <laughs> <laughs> hypothetically if i wanted to take sick days starting tomorrow <laughs> how many sick days do i have well according to this you have 120 see ya see that'll be that'll get me through december 31 so how do i get my paperwork jane <laughs> that's question two yeah so you might not be able to do that so david's lucky right. second question though before we actually answer his question oh gee he mentioned a type of account that a lot of people might not know much about. People may know an HSA, but they don't know this other type of account he's talking about. What's this, what's this account he's referencing? It works just like a HSA, only it's funded with employer dollars. So an HSA, you put your money in, employers can put money in. An HRA, like a healthcare reimbursement account, it's kind of like that, where, or an FSA, which could be a combination of both. So it's really just kind of uh, employer contributions only, not employee contributions. So it works a little bit differently, but it kind of sort of the same in that it helps reimburse medical costs, mostly things like dental and vision costs in retirement. And once you've eliminated that and like you have to pay the deductible, it's a little more complicated than HSAs, then you can use it for medical reimbursements. So uh, diving into his question then, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, so what he's talking about is he's saying, I've got some sick days left and instead of taking them in cash, I would like to take them in basically in retirement funds and kind of finagle the the payout so that the leftover sick days that I would normally get paid and taxed on, I'm going to take that money and put it into this, effectively into this healthcare account for retirement. And that's totally fine to do. Yep. I don't see why you wouldn't do it. If you have extra money and you don't need the cash for anything, uh, that's fine. I wouldn't retire with sick days left over. I think you said I get to cash in 25% of my sick days. It's like, well, make sure you use those other 75% on days off. You know, like don't, don't. Well, based uh, on Dave's message about being able to actually retire and how he's, he's not sure he's going to make it the next few years. I bet he's got a plan for every one of those sick days. Don't you? <laughs> yeah. And you're right. I think it's kind of the, double-edged sword of kind of sort of unlimited PTO, which is all the rage now. We've been doing it at our company forever, but uh, the double-edged sword of you don't earn PTO is you don't, you don't get to retire with that big bonus. You know what I mean? Like that used to be kind of all the, all the cool stuff. You'd work your, work your tail off those last five years to 
drive up your income or tons of overtime to make sure that your pension calculation was really high. And then you'd stick it to the man and retire with two years of vacation and get one big check of, you know, 180,000 or something like that, you know, on the last day. But that's really not a thing. So if you can use it and put it in a qualified plan somehow, I mean, this would be no different than saying, okay, I'm not contributing enough to my retirement plan. I've got a 401k or I've got a 403b and a 457. So in, in educators, uh, you usually have both, right? A 403B and a 457. So you can contribute 20000 to each one, 40000 41000 this year in total. So it'd be no different than saying, well, I'm just going to take a higher distribution or a higher contribution amount into my 403B this year, the year that I'm going to retire. And then at the end of, of my working, I'm going to get this bonus back, which is going to kind of help fill the coffers back up, if, if that makes sense. You just kind of changing the cash flow timing a little bit. But um, but if that's all taken care of and and you want to use this for um, an additional healthcare expenses, I think that's a good idea. Thanks for the question, Dave. And you know what? Because Dave was brave and called in with his question and probably helped a ton of people maybe learn something crazy that that might happen. We're going to send David a Stacky Benjamin's Greatest Money Show on Earth Haven Life t-shirt which is incredibly comfortable and sexy, amazing. People are going to go, dude, where'd you get that? You know how he got it? By just calling him with his question, stackingbenjamins.com slash voicemail. That's going to do it for today. Just a couple of housekeeping things. Number one is if you want to hang out with us, we're only doing this for a few more weeks. We make the Friday shows every Monday, just for the rest of summer. You can join us on our YouTube channel, By the way, a lot of new things beginning to happen over on our YouTube channel. Put Stacking Benjamin's podcast into the search feature, subscribe to the channel, hit the little bell, and that will notify you when we go live. But it's 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific to give you the specific time that we're going to do this. Some days we show up a minute or two late, so if we're not there right at 5 p.m., we're just getting the microphones all set and, and ready to go. Second is... Once a quarter for people that have referred others to our 201 newsletter, we have a hangout with that inner circle of people that refer our newsletter out. We've got another one coming up late here in July. So begin stackers. If you're playing that uh, 201 referral game, make sure you refer enough people that you can hang out with us and have a private chat just for that group of people. But it's stackingbenjamins.com slash 201 inside every 201 newsletter we tell you about our referral program. Last but not least, if you're not here for additional tips like our newsletter or to watch us make the show live on YouTube, you just need better financial help in your corner. You need a better team. OG and his team can help you think bigger about your financial goals. Head to stackingbenjamins.com slash OG. That's the link to his calendar so that you in the second half this year can begin rocking your financial plan. Stackingbenjamins.com slash OG. All right, Doug, I think I checked all those boxes, my friend. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, listen to Carl and Mindy Jensen. Ready to quit your job? Don't go off half-cocked. Go off fully cocked by building your base first. Second, sick days? Remember, those are currency too. Find out your company policy well before trying to cash them in at the end of your career. Had the big lesson? If you really want to get gruntled, head to Reno. Sure, they charge extra for that, but it is totally worth it. 
thanks to Carl and Mindy Jensen for joining us today. Check them out at 1500days.com, the Mile High Fi Show, and the Bigger Pockets Money Show, wherever you listen to podcasts. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. OG's sole contribution so far is clearing his throat. <coughs> Three, two, one. Sounds like the Manamana song from Muppets. Hey, you missed out Delta flight from Grand Rapids to Minneapolis was overbooked so they were offering ten thousand dollars per person to get off the plane what what person said that there was not a mad rush (laughs) and they offered ten thousand there was one or two people who stood up sorry did you say there still wasn't a mad rush that is what i said yes one or two people (laughs) whatever meaning i had could have been canceled i'm sorry absolutely I could have totally canceled that meeting. The flight was, uh, you would have taken the next flight, which was two hours later. Uh, t- 
Oh, the entire flight should have taken him up on that. Holy crap! Wow. And it's not. I don't. Maybe they didn't understand because it's not just that you get air. You know, air credit now. They're just giving out money. I mean, yeah. Fintern got his thousand bucks, and it was like. He had his choice of ways to get the money and gift cards and credits and different retail and restaurants. And I mean, a gift card. 10 grand. Well, the part of the thousand that you didn't claim is rent, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> oh, you're behind on your rent payment. What do you mean rent payment? I did confiscate that. Yes. Back when you were four, we had you sign a contract. <laughs> Remember the game we played called <laughs> sign a contract with dad? Yeah. I'm reeling that in now. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate take a look at all the military appreciation month offers and their usual offers navy federal our members are the mission navy federal is insured by ncua equal housing lender